Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Grass withers, the flower fades, and the word of our God stands forever. Our text this morning introduces kind of a new section in the Gospel of Luke. You see uh, Luke uses uh, geographical uh, changes to introduce kind of a new section. Starting in verse 11 there, you see on the way to Jerusalem. And that section runs all the way through uh, chapter 19, verse 27, because you see in verse 28 of Luke chapter 19, and he, when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. So there's a sandwich, there's a, a, a section here in Luke that are going to kind of communicate a, a certain theme, a certain ideas that Luke has gathered here together in these travels of Jesus. But remember, this all comes under this main theme from Luke. He says right at the beginning of his gospel, he's writing these things to Theophilus, that Theophilus might have certainty concerning the things which he had been taught. The point of the Gospel of Luke that he is writing, and also Luke writes the book of Acts, to this man named Theophilus, lover of God, is that he might have certainty concerning the reality of Jesus. Luke's goal is to highlight the life and ministry of Jesus Christ so that Theophilus and consequently all of us here this morning might see Jesus for who he truly is. It's the point of the gospel. It's the point of the gospels. It's the point of, I will argue, the whole of scripture. is not so that we might understand how to live life better or get life tips or whatever you might want to say. The goal of Scripture is that we might see and know God and specifically that we might see and know Him as He's revealed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. This goal here, so even in this passage of the ten lepers, the goal is that we would see Jesus, my prayer for us this morning is for eyes that we might see Jesus in this text for who he is. The narrative really is pretty straightforward. And if you've been around church much at all, you, you know the story of the ten lepers, right? There's, there's these, um, the, this, 
group of men as Jesus is journeying across in his journeys to Jerusalem. There's ten of these men that are condemned with leprosy. And the, the term leprosy back in their day was kind of a general term for any sort of, of life-threatening skin condition or some sort of rash or some sort of uh, defilement in their skin. And so it wasn't always necessarily leprosy, which we now know as Hansen's disease, um, I always get nervous talking about these things because I've got medical people like in the, uh, I'm like, if I say something really wrong, hopefully they'll just kind of, okay, Darren. Uh, but it, Hansen's disease, and it's a bacteria, it's, it's interesting, it's, it's a terrible disease. It's, it, we now can medicate for it and, and cure it, but it still does exist in, in, pop, in po- parts of the world today. And it's a, it's a lot of, a, it, it numbs the nerve endings essentially, and so the inner organs and everything begin to get deadened to pain. And so a lot of the, the harm of your body from leprosy comes from injuries you don't even notice. I, I read a, or heard a, 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 a person who was working with leprosy as they were discovering what was wrong with leprosy of, of uh, a guy was unable to, to work this lock and someone with leprosy came along and, and worked the lock for them. They, he, this person was able to turn the lock that this guy could not turn. But the way the person was able to do it was by ignoring the fact that it ruined their fingers as they turned the lock because they couldn't feel any pain. And so that, that's kind of the way leprosy works. And then this becomes infected. It doesn't hurt. You can, uh, people would, um, would wash. I heard a story of a man who would wash his face and hands every morning in warm water, but because he lost all sensitivity, he couldn't tell how hot it was and ended up ruining his eyesight, according to this story, because he'd used too hot of water, but he had no way to know because he'd lost all this. So this is, this is what leprosy is. It's, this, it's a terrible degenerative disease. And the way that you dealt with it back in the old days, according to Levitical law, if the priest, you went to the priest, they saw you had leprosy, you were ostracized. You were sent outside of the village. You were to cut off all contact with your family, with everyone that you knew who did not have leprosy. So there's these men are in desperate situation. They're ostracized from their family. They are outside of the village. And when they see Jesus, they, 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 they see him coming. And evidently stories of who Jesus is has, have made it to them, even in their isolation, they call out, have mercy on us. They call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It says in verse 13, they, they knew that Jesus was this healer. And so in their desperation, what they're supposed to cry out as this leprous group goes around, what they're supposed to cry out for anybody approaching is unclean. But unclean, don't... You don't want to come near me, I'm unclean. They were legally obligated under the law of, the, of this time and this period. They were legally, they needed to cry out unclean so that no one would come near them. But instead they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. So they're outside of this village, Jesus comes upon them. And when he hears their cry, what does Jesus do? He tells them, go show yourself to the priest. Now, what that is about is that the priest is kind of operating as like uh, the arbitrator of health at this time. And so the, you would go to the priest and they would look at you. And if your leprous source had been removed or had disappeared or gone away, you could sit in quarantine for a week and check again. This is all spelled out in, uh, in wonderful reads in the book of Leviticus about all leprous sores. But they would pronounce you as clean and you could come back into society. So Jesus just simply says to them, 
Go show yourself to the priest. And then as they are obedient to the command of Jesus, they are healed on the way. One thing that cannot be missed as we read the Gospels and we hear about Jesus, we cannot miss the incredible sovereignty of Jesus over disease. This is, this is, this is the dreaded disease of his time. This is leprosy is the what you don't want to come down with leprosy. And here we see these 10 men with this horrible disease. They get a command from Jesus. He doesn't touch them. He doesn't at times, you know, he spits and makes mud and rubs it in a guy's eyes. And the woman with the issue of blood grabs the hem of his garment. None of that goes on. He simply says not be healed even. He says, go show yourself to the priest. And as they're obedient to Jesus' command to do that, they are healed on the way. Not a command of healing, but a command that being followed would bring their healing. These men are healed of their leprosy. All ten of them healed of this leprosy. Don't get lulled to sleep by these supernatural events of Jesus as he ministers in this to these, to these men, the miracle healings of Jesus, they're never in question. I mean, think about this detail in the life of Jesus. They, they don't like that he equated himself with the I am. They don't like the way that he taught and rebuked the religious people. But no one ever said, you didn't really heal those men because they all knew he did. They all knew. There was no dispute with a man who is born blind and is healed, they, they try to accuse Jesus of doing the works by the power of Satan, but no one accuses him of not actually doing this. this is, these are ten men who have been outside of the village with this leprosy that Jesus actually delivers them by a simple command to go show themselves to the priests. Jesus puts on display his deity, his sovereignty, his power. All through the Gospel of Luke, we've seen this. That Jesus has command and he has authority over the supernatural realm. He casts out demons. He has, he has authority over disease. And he has authority over nature even. He tells storms to be quiet. The awesomeness of Jesus Christ. He puts on display his deity. Through, this, through his sovereignty over every area of life. But now the event gets really interesting. Because as the ten men go on their way to the priest, they get healed. And one comes back to worship. Ten are healed. And one comes back to worship. And that's what he's doing. He's singing praise to God. It's interesting the, what Luke is highlighting here. Because he says one of them in verse 16, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice and falls on his face at Jesus' feet. Uh, when, when the Bible says that Jesus never called himself God and people try to say, well, Jesus never thought he was God. Look, Luke, Luke is communicating to us. Jesus does not rebuke the man for praising God and falling at Jesus' feet because they are the same thing. He worships this one man, gets healed, and he returns and gives Thank. Now, at this point, many people take this story, this narrative of the healing of the ten lepers, and they make it all about a parable, a story of your need to be thankful. You should be thankful. And they take the whole point of the story is that you should be the one who comes back to say thanks. And that's maybe fine, but you don't need the story of the ten lepers to communicate that to you. The scripture commands your thankfulness 
everywhere. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 18 says it like this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And we could go to many places, get out your concordance and talk and look up give thanks. The numerous References there are in Scripture commanding us to give thanks. So you don't need this story to tell you to give thanks. And if that was the point of the story, can I say it's a terrible example of your need to give thanks? Because 10 people get healed and only 10% of them bother to say thank you. It really is a terrible parable of your need to give thanks because 10%, only 10% are actually thankful. So I guess to me, that if I use that as, if the point of the story is to encourage us to give thanks, it really does a terrible job. So what is the point? Why is Luke sharing this narrative with us? This one leper that's revealed to us, the hint is in the end verse, verse 19. Jesus replied to this man after he's been healed. He said, and he said to him, verse 19, and he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This one leper, when he realizes that by obedience to Christ's command, he has been healed, he returns and worships Jesus. Jesus then questions why only one has returned when ten was healed, were healed and makes this pronouncement that this man's faith has made him well. How can that be? I mean, you read that and you think, okay, how was it this man's faith made him well? Wasn't the man already well? Didn't we just read that ten of them went away and were healed? One comes back. Jesus asks where the other nine are. And then he tells the one who came back that his faith made him well. What, what is up with that? How can this man's faith make him well? He was well already, wasn't he? he, he they're sent out, they're healed on the way, and then he comes back and Jesus says, your faith has made him well. If it was his faith that made him well, then was it the faith of the others that made them well? What's, what's going on? How how? How can Jesus say to these ten that were healed, only one comes back and he says to him, your faith has made you well. Was it the faith that made all of them well? Or is the wellness that Jesus is speaking of here in verse 19 a different kind of wellness? A higher kind of wellness. And that's the argument we hear. One commentator says it like this. He's a Greek commentator, commentator speaking of this term, made you well. He says that this last man's being made well is in a higher sense than the mere cleansing of leprosy. It's a higher idea. It's a higher sense of this word of wellness than just cleansing of leprosy. He says theirs, the nine, was merely a beholding of the brazen serpent with outward eyes. Speaking of Jesus, the, the brazen serpent from John chapter 3 who's lifted up. That, that their, their gazing was upon the outward appearance of this man that brought an outward wellness. But his, this one, with the eye, he saw with the eye of inward faith. And this faith saved him, not only healed his body, but his soul. So it brings us to our big idea from the text this morning. Our big idea is this. The sovereignty of Jesus brings no real lasting benefit if you do not see him and worship him for who he truly is. The sovereignty of Jesus brings no real lasting benefit 
if you do not see him and worship. The sovereign, the, what healed those ten men was the divinity of Jesus. Go show yourself to the priest, healed. Ain't nobody stopping that no matter what. There are instances in the Bible, they're fascinating to read, of people who were healed, no knowledge of Jesus and who he was, didn't even know who he was until he shows up later and preaches and, and reveals himself to them and they're saved. The healing is, is out of the divine hand of Jesus Christ. But that sovereignty of, of rebuking this disease, of bringing temporal wellness to them, does them no lasting benefit if they do not see him and worship. One, they were all made well, but one was made well. I know those are the same words that I'm using there. One, all ten were healed of their temporal problems, but one was healed of the higher, greater, bigger problem. There's something more that's going on with this man who returns to Jesus. There isn't just thankfulness on his lips. It isn't just, that was incredible. Dude, that was, I don't know how you did that, but you know, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. You know, I was looking for that. I kind of wanted to be free of leprosy, and you did it for me. And so, uh, Mad props, major thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, if I need anything else, I'll I'll come back. And you know, I like I like your service. You know, do I yeah, should I tip you? I don't know. It's been great. It wasn't it wasn't some mere thankfulness on the lips of this man who's healed. He falls on his face. He sees Jesus for who he is. He doesn't just see Jesus for what he can do for him. He sees Jesus for who he is. What's wrong with the other nine? Well, we don't really know for sure, but there's no doubt they were on their way to the priest to get their pronouncements of cleanliness so they can go back to their life with their family. And there's even a great chance they said, look, this guy, Jesus, healed us. I mean, they, they may have given credit. Jesus healed us. But they don't return to worship. They don't return to lay themselves flat before Jesus. Their wellness ends with the curing of a temporal disease. And they are not made fully well. This man who comes back to worship, Jesus says his faith, his seeing of Jesus for who he really is, not just seeing Jesus for what he might be able to do for me or what he maybe has done for me, but seeing him truly Honestly, as God and worshiping him, laying his life out before him, saying, I am all yours because you are the creator. of You are God and I am yours. There is this. What happens in this man's heart is the greater wellness that they all needed, but didn't even know. There's a sobering rebuke here that you can get a positive answer to your request and yet not really be made well. That's, that's scary to think about. The thing you want from God and you're begging God for, you realize you can get your answer, you can get a positive answer to that prayer and yet not really be made well because it hasn't provoked you to worship and see Jesus for who he is, that you might glorify him. Sobering. That you can get the answer, a positive answer to your request, and yet not be made well. Sometimes getting what you want gets you no closer to getting what you need. Sometimes getting what you want gets you no closer to getting what you need. We've all seen examples like this in our children, 
other children, maybe our own, but they, they, we've, we feel this pull, right, of your kids. It's, Christmas time is just over, and boy, those catalogs come in, and they want everything, and everything in you as a consumeristic, I've raised in America too, wants to give my kid every stinking gift he wants, right? Because I, if I had uh, you know, endless amounts of cash, you just want to give everything. But you know, right, that giving this, this sinner, giving this child, giving this person everything they want isn't necessarily giving them what they need most. It's like the person winning the lottery. You know, and you, you've got these horrible stories of people who are weekly going in and giving their hard-earned real money for, for fake money, hoping to win it big. And then some of them, a very small percentage of them, it's not a safe bet at all, terrible use of your money. Uh, I'll stop there. Uh, but uh, win, hit it big, win 100000 win win a half a million dollars. They get what they want. And then you go visit them five, six years later and they're in total bankruptcy and their lives are ruined because they've been given what they want. Sometimes you can get what you want and it isn't at all what you really need. How many stories have you heard like that? Well, here in our text for today, we see nine men get exactly what they wanted and end up no better off for it. Why? They don't see Jesus for who he really is. They don't see God for the, who He really is and the purposes that He's really working. They only have eyes for what Jesus can do for them. They're only interested in how Jesus can help them achieve their life goals. Jesus has mercy on them and great compassion and He heals their temporal problems. But only one is truly made well because He's the only one who truly sees Jesus for who He is. The question we are left with then is, is if we truly see Jesus ourselves, do we see Jesus for who he is and worship him because of who he is? Or do we only engage Jesus for what he th- we think he can do for us? Do we only lift him up? Do we only praise his name? Do we only come to him because we're hoping to get some side benefit out of it? I'm hoping that, you know, maybe Jesus will make me happier. Maybe I'll get a better job. Maybe he'll help me get a, a better finances. Maybe he'll help my marriage work out. And all these things may happen. But if you're coming to Jesus to get this thing accomplished, Jesus is not your God, but this thing you want accomplished is. And he's your means to your real end of worship, which is getting the thing you want, which isn't Jesus at all. He's just a means to an end. This man saw it. Jesus was not just the means. He did get his healing, which is incredible. But beyond that, his soul was made well in seeing Jesus for who he really is. True wellness is in the midst of God's blessing or of God's providential withholding of blessing. In the midst of both of these things, things going well, things going terrible, true wellness is seeing Jesus for who He is and worshiping Him. My desire for our fellowship, for this faith family, is that we have eyes to see Jesus for who He is and that our hearts would be provoked to worship Him. That true wellness would be ours. I will always pray for a relief from circumstances, for any event in your life going on. I will weep with you and mourn with you and struggle with you and plead with God for an answer to prayer in a positive way. But I will always do so under this bigger banner 
that we might see Christ and glorify Him and worship Him and treasure Him above all else because He is the one and only true lasting treasure. A wellness that cries out, acknowledging the desperation that we have and a wellness that will fall down and worship Him. This worship is the new life breaking into a person's life. What we see when this man returns in worship, what we see when we gather to worship is a breaking in or a returning to what we are created to be. Worshippers of God. This is the point of creation. The chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. This is our worship. This is, this is what we were made for. To recognize, to see Him, to honor Him, glorify Him, and worship Him, and treasure Him above everything else in life. Now, some object at this point. Isn't that kind of needy? God made us just for us to worship and glorify Him. Isn't that kind of needy out of God? Isn't it wrong to want others just to worship you? It isn't wrong if you deserve the worship. It isn't wrong if you deserve it. It isn't wrong if you deserve it. But also notice the healed man. He ain't complaining. His joy is in his Savior. His joy is in God, his Savior. His joy is in his seeing. He's been given eyes to see. And he's blown away with joy. And the worship of God and this man's joy are not at war with each other. They are the culmination of his new life in Christ. His worship is not only the command of God, but it is the manifestation of His joy in Jesus. He has seen. The question is, do we see? Will you see it? Will your eyes be opened to see Christ for the treasure that He is? I'm calling you this morning to look at Christ and rejoice in Him for who He is. He is the God who saves the reality is your condition is just as bad as the lepers. So, Darren, I, I don't have horrible skin disease. I, your condition is you're just the same as the lepers because the, the greatest danger on the horizon for the lepers was not the ending of their temporal life. It wasn't the, the decay of their temporal bodies. We get too caught up in temporal problems. They, their problems were serious and tragic, but they were not the worst realities that they were facing. A future apart from the mercy of God, that was the worst reality on their horizon. The worst reality on the horizon for those ten lepers were to not see Jesus and worship Him. And it's the reality that's on the horizon for all of us apart from faith in Christ for who He is and all that He has accomplished. If you want to follow the command of God and desire of God, desiring God in your worship and glorifying Him above all else, work hard for your joy there in Him and what He has done for us. We deserve condemnation. We all have sinned, fallen short of God's glory. And apart from the mercy of God, the horizon is God's justice. We have no hope. But in Christ... We have hope without end. He has come. Live the righteous life we should have lived. Die the death that we deserve. So that everyone listening this morning in this room, that you could confess, that is me. I am the condemned sinner. But Christ has died for me. 
that I could, by repentance and faith, trusting in Him, being reconciled to God, and have a treasure that never fades. Be healed in a way that no matter what temporal problem comes my way, I am made well in a way that cannot fail. That is what comes to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Communion is a meal with the opportunity to walk out that joy. So we offer communion here this morning. This is a walk of confessing your greatest joy. Not in yourself, not in what you've done. Confessing. Confessing, coming to communion, knowingly confessing yourself as a condemned sinner without hope apart from the work of Christ. It's a walk that says the life of Jesus, His shed blood, His broken body for me is my only hope. And there I place my trust in who Christ is and what He has done for us, what He has done for me. And because it is my only hope, I am freed from all that has kept me from Him. Let's pray. Father, give us eyes to see. This is a supernatural work in this place this morning. Give us eyes, if possibly for the first time ever, to really see who you are. Or God, renew our vision of you. Illumine to us in new and fresh ways. Restore to us the joy of our salvation, this good news of this gospel. Work it in this place. Give us eyes to see that our joy would be full in glorifying you and treasuring you above all else. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.